touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland and joining me in the studio is Mr. Matt Frederick, co-host of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know. You've probably heard his voice for horror. Hey, Matt. Hey, Jonathan. It's wonderful to be in this room with you, sir. It's it's wonderful to have you on that microphone. We have done a couple of episodes of Tech Stuff together. Yes. Uh, where you mostly ask me questions. I, and that was purposefully done uh, I behind think it was the scenes. A CES episode or, or an E3, something like that. It was what, yeah, what you did. And yeah. I just got to sit there and listen to the stories. Yeah. And this time it's going to, the shoe is on the other foot, my friend. Oh, dear. I'm going to be asking you questions. You're going to be telling stories. Okay. Um, so for those who do not know, uh, Mr. Frederick has done many things here at How Stuff Works. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you have produced episodes of Tech Stuff in the past. I have. Uh, you have sometimes been the one sitting there listening as uh, Chris Paulette and I would chat on and on about something. Yes. Prior to super producer Noel being yeah. here, yeah. I was generally the person behind what, what he does. Yeah, it was sometimes on the sometimes twos. Matt, sometimes it was Tyler. Mm-hmm. Once in a while it was somebody else. Yeah. Uh and you guys were great, but then you got more and more work to do in your in the other job you had. Yes, the actual reason that we were hired. So, Matt, for people who do not know, I mean you were not like I was not hired to be a podcaster no. or a video guy. I was hired to be a writer. You were not hired to be a podcaster. What were you hired to do? I was hired to be an intern. Okay, and, well, that's, that's, that's not really hired, Matt. Well, I don't know if you know how interns work. We were paid. Oh, okay. Uh, paid in interns. Yes, we were paid interns. And uh, our videographer had to leave. So mm-hmm. I came on originally um, as an employee of How Stuff Works, uh, officially getting paid through, I guess, the standard payment from How Stuff Works Inc. back in the day or yeah, whatever it was right, right. as a videographer. So you were a videographer. Uh, and be, you, your role has evolved over time. Yes. So what, tell people what it is you do today. Like what is your, your main responsibility here at How Stuff Works? My main responsibility here is to produce stuff they don't want you to know. And that, I think that is my primary goal. Now, when you're, when we're talking about stuff they don't want you to know, we're not t- just talking about the audio podcast, but also the video series, right? Yes, the video series, in fact. And I would say probably primarily because originally it was a video series, mm-hmm. uh, uh, just, it was just a video series. Right. So this responsibility involves, uh, working very closely with your co-host, Ben Bolin. Oh, very closely. Yeah. To the point where uh, the two of you can be inseparable for uh, the the portions where you're getting ready to shoot. Uh, you are very often the guy behind the camera during the actual shooting. Yes, mostly, I would say. Yeah. So uh, sometimes uh, if you ever watch stuff they don't want you to know and you see that they're in some sort of creepy location, usually it's Matt who's doing a double duty at that time. Actually, triple duty. Mm-hmm. You're shooting. You're monitoring audio. Yes. And you're keeping an eye out in case you need to make a run for it because you're guerrilla movie making at the time. Yes. Uh, usually I'm monitoring audio, making sure the shot is correct and then kind of keeping watch. Yeah, that's a good assessment. Yeah. No, I've been I've been the subject of guerrilla filmmaking where the director made it known to me that there was not necessarily clearance to shoot where we were shooting <laughs> yeah. at that time. We're like, 
wait, what? We do our best to keep it above board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, occasionally it's just one of those things where you're like, well, let's go ahead and shoot here. I think it'll be fine. And then ultimately Mm -hmm. we might be told, hey, you guys shouldn't be in here. And then we're like, okay, we won't be in here. Yeah, guys, this is a parking deck. Yeah. Um, Not sure what you're doing here. You are, uh, I know this looks like just a big empty basement, but technically there's a lot of stuff going on that we can't have you here while we're doing it. Precisely. Like, like wiring yeah. part of the building. Cause keep in mind the building we are in right now, Pont City Market, that's where our office is, mm-hmm. is, uh, is still largely unoccupied on certain floors. Oh yeah. So, um, that leads the potential for awesome location shoots, but obviously we have to clear everything with the building first to make sure that everyone is safe. And we're not going to get in the way of any construction crews. Yes. Insurance in a building like this is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and obviously the safety of other people also very important. So it's not just our safety, but the safety of other folks. So we take it very seriously as much as I'm being flippant earlier. Uh, now, when you're talking about producing a show like Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, some of our shows here at How Stuff Works are fairly straightforward. Right. Uh, okay. I, I, I'll go with you there, but I, I would say that the ones that even look pretty straightforward have a lot of stuff going on in the back end. Sure. You have to do lots of things like you have to, you have to make very careful edits to make sure that the, everything flows properly. You want to make sure that the sound is just perfect because sometimes mm-hmm. levels are different at different points. Uh, and also, also we often will include things like supplemental video to help illustrate a point. Stuff they want you to know is one of the, I think, more heavily produced videos compared to some, not, not all. I mean, we do have some that are, are equivalent. So I want you, Matt, to walk me through what it's like to produce a typical stuff. They don't want you to know. So from the point where you've identified what the subject is going to be to the point where it's published online, can you walk me through? Well, uh, first thing I would say is, identifying what we're going to uh, do use as a subject mm-hmm. is a big part of the story because we generally get our audience to, they will interact a lot of times and kind of lead us on a thread that'll take us to a bigger story. Awesome. And once we, once we've established what the story that we want to tell, and I would say Ben does 99% of that. <laughs> end because I'm usually over in this cave editing. Yeah. Um, so once we've established that, we will go and then I will go to these various places on the Internet, like archive.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have several places that we go, like video blocks or iStock photo, mm-hmm. and try and gather as many images and assets that I can that will pertain to that story. Right. right. Then then there's this other back end after we record the audio. Okay. Which is a process in itself where we'll sit in this room mm-hmm. and have Ben do his creepy voice. Right. Which still to this day cracks me up. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, people have listened to Ben on my show where Ben is just Ben. Yeah. And when Ben is just Ben, or if you've watched, you know, Brain Stuff or mm-hmm. What the Stuff, one of the episodes that has Ben on it, you hear Ben just being himself. Yes. Uh, and then you compare that to the character, the persona version mm-hmm. that's in stuff they don't want you to know. And it just seems so... Not Ben. Um, See, it's so funny. He is that character for me now. And when he's playing regular Ben, I feel like that's a character. <laughs> and for a lot of people who are fans of stuff they don't want you to know, that's a lot of the, the response. They're like, mm-hmm. he, he's not doing his voice where yeah. he's <laughs> pitching it down a little bit. Hero the facts. Yeah, I can't even do it. Facts. 
here's where it gets crazy. Uh, I can't do it either. It's impressive. Um, we only have one person in the office who can uh, really mimic Ben, and that's Annie. She's a really. Well, she dressed up as Ben oh, okay. for Halloween that one year. She did a smash up job on the visuals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She she mimicked him from a, a an imagery perspective. Anyway, all right. So so Ben is writing. You are uh, you you get to the part where you record the audio. Yes. All right. Move on. Now we get the audio, and what I have to do particularly with his audio is chop up every single sentence and or even sometimes word. Wow. Because what I like to try and do is make it uh, match up with the sound, the theme music that I've written for the show. Oh, wow. So so that it feels... You wrote the music for the show? I did. I recorded and wrote the music just with a little MIDI controller. Still, that's incredible. Well, it's okay. I I think (laughs) think any discerning uh, creator of music would laugh at it. Oh, come on. Well, from someone that can plink out a tune on a ukulele, it's really impressive. Okay, I, I did forget. Thank you. I love, uh, you made a couple of videos yeah. with your uke- ukulele? Yeah. yeah. It's awesome stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I matched that up so that it has almost a lyrical feel to it. Right. Um, spoken word almost. Right, right. Um, and it has a very driving beat in the song, so when it matches up, it just works so well. See, that, that's incredible to me. Like, you have to have a real ear for that. I, I can appreciate it when it's done. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine actually constructing it. So what, what tool, what, what's the, the editing suite that you're actually using when you're doing this? It has evolved over time. Uh, originally, it was the old Apple soundtrack mm-hmm. uh, application that we used to use. And then using that in tandem with Final Cut, Final mm-hmm. Cut 7 in mm-hmm. particular. And now we're using all Adobe products, so Premiere, Audition. Uh, those are the two primary ones in After Effects. So you're using this software to to get this effect, where you're matching up the cadence of the the delivery to the the score mm-hmm. of the episode. So that lays down sort of your guideline for audio. Yes. What's what about the visual side? Okay, so I've got a, there are a couple assets that remain the same throughout each episode. Mm-hmm. So you've got kind of the standard intro with the house that says 1984 on it and right. things that we shot, gosh, eight years ago, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, and then the CTA, you don't have to change very much. You just plug in a couple things. But when you're starting to. Uh, CTA, by the way, call to oh, action. Uh, I apologize. Yes, that's the place where you go, hey, subscribe or click on this video. Yeah, or... so if you've ever wondered, uh, you know, you, you see that it's almost ubiquitous now mm-hmm. in YouTube videos, but call to action. And the reason why you see it everywhere is because it, it works. It works. And we want to hear from you. Yes, absolutely. The This may be a little too behind the curtain, but the click-through rate generally in those CTAs, even on the biggest YouTubers, ranges between 2 to like 5%. Yeah. Which means someone actually watching the video then clicking on the next video. Right. So it's actually really low, but the subscribe uh, function there is usually the best thing. And stuff they don't want you to know has a lot of subscribers. So it's, and it's one of those things, again, you want to... You know, we're we're producing things so that people listen and watch them, mm-hmm. but we're doing so out of a genuine desire to to impart cool information and to create a dialogue. You know, there's 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 the there's the business side of it that yes, you want more views because that's good business. Mm-hmm. But there's from us as content creators, and by the way, we don't all like the word content, but mm-hmm. we use it because 
what else are we going to say? Yeah. <laughs> storytellers. As storytellers, we want an audience to hear the story and we want to hear more stories in return. Yes. While we all enjoy talking to ourselves and, you know, learning about these wonderful things ourselves, yeah. it's much more fulfilling to know that someone else now has this information. Yeah. And, and I remember, I can't, I'll never forget the first time I got a listener email and flipped out because for a while it just felt like Chris and I were talking into a microphone and then it would just go away. Oh, it- I know exactly. I know exactly that feeling. Right. So. All right. So I'm sorry I got you off track. So certain assets like the opening and the closing remain. Yes. Remain uh, the same from episode to episode. You don't have to change those. But then everything else has to be in a way it has to be just filled in. So you make sure you've got coverage. Right. So a lot of the time, the first pass that I'll do is, let's say, and that when I gathered footage earlier. Yeah. If there's anything that I know matches up directly with the subject matter or will fit perfectly to um, either contrast with what Ben is saying to create a, you know, a third idea like in your brain. Like a juxtaposition. Yes. A lot of times, like, I'll just lay that in and I won't mess with it. I won't do any of the, the zooming or any of that kind of stuff or effects on it. I'll just right. leave it in there. Now I know I've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, then I will start filling in the hard stuff, which a lot of times is if I have to go and pull let's say a quote from an article or something right. and actually type it in yeah. uh, through Premiere or something. I'll do that kind of stuff. Then the next pass, once I've got the whole thing filled in, I have to color everything, mm-hmm. which is a whole separate thing that normally it would be another person's job to uh, <laughs> be a colorist. how stuff works. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay. That's fine. I, yeah. I love, I knew nothing about it when I first started here. Right. So, so you've, you've actually developed brand new skill sets. Oh yeah. By necessity. Yes. Yeah. Which is true for everyone in the video and audio departments. Oh, I think so. And yeah. even, I mean, especially the podcasters and writers well, and editors. Yeah. It's, it's also true for writers and editors who started off as editors and writers mm-hmm. and then, and then uh, graduated into a type of performer. Yeah. Uh, for some of us, we had had a performance background. Ben Bolin has an improvisational comedy background. Jonathan Strickland has, a ham taking up the spotlight background. So it was not a big transition for me, but some of us like Josh and Chuck, well, Chuck had done music, Mm -hmm. you know, but they had not necessarily sat down to be a performer in the classical sense. And now, you know, there are, that's our flagship show. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, um, you, you have developed this new skill as a colorist as well. Sure. So, so can you, can you explain a little bit about what that entails? Like, you know, I, I've heard things like color correction or whatever, but what does that actually mean? Really, it's just using uh, plugins from a program mm-hmm. like uh, like After Effects or Premiere, mm-hmm. where you are manipulating the color values on any given shot or image. And what would be the purpose for that? Really, you want to match either you're either going to match the entire video, right, right to try and make things feel like they fit together, right, or you're going to try for some kind of emotional or uh, effect. You're trying to uh, affect the viewer's perception of this image. So you're trying to emphasize it in some yeah. way. And, and it's a weird thing, like uh, trying to influence the way someone looks at this image. Right. And maybe sees it a little differently than the way it was originally there. Yeah, because you only have so much. I mean, you can just alter the thing that is already existing. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can go out and it's, it's not like you have like, uh, oh, let's turn this this angle 70 degrees so that we can look at it from a different way. Yes. We can't do that. <laughs> well, yes, not not unless we're 
uh, in specifically going out and shooting B-roll or right. something. Right, or that we have some computer graphics thing that we have developed mm-hmm. in-house and thus can manipulate it that way. But True. Most of the time we're talking about gathering assets from other sources. Yes, uh, that is kind of what the show was built upon. Well, and it makes sense for stuff they don't want you to know. It has almost, it feels almost like it has elements of found footage in it. Mm-hmm. It has this very patchwork kind of uh, approach, not not in quality, but the the feel of like it's all these different sources of information that are combining to tell this one story, which yes. is important, especially with the tone and and uh and the aim of that show. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think you guys do a really great job. Oh, hush. All right, so you do your color pass. Yes. What happens next? Okay, now comes the overall effects pass. Mm-hmm. So, this would be adding things like noise mm-hmm. to footage and or images to uh, give it the stuff they don't want you to know feel. So sort of that grainy look. Yeah, it makes it uh, like let's say I got an image that is just pristine from iStock. Right. of Maybe a person's hands on a keyboard. Okay. So after I've color corrected it so it's not so saturated, the the colors aren't so bright. Right. And uh, it still looks like a picture that someone took on purpose to look really nice. Mm -hmm. What I'll do is kind of break the image a little bit by adding some noise or, uh, again, doing some other things with color shifting, Mm -hmm. which would is a, a little it's a little complex, but. Basically, will make the thing look like someone screwed up when they were using their old eight millimeter cameras. Right, right, right. And that's a specific effect that you're going for. It, it helps again, kind of create the tone and the feel of the yes. show. So it is fun to have all of these competing things of what what do I want the overall story to tell? Mm-hmm. Like, what story do I want this video to tell? Mm-hmm. Then what what story do I want this one image combined with this sentence to tell? And then trying to do that on a video basis. So uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that, there's a huge amount of, of artistry and and uh, uh, technical ability that has to go into making this work. I mean, I'm sure it was one of those things that has been a learning process. And I'm sure yes. you're still learning. Oh, yeah. There isn't a day that goes by where I don't go, oh, I can do this now. Or, this is what way if, oh. easier. I could have I could have taken 10 minutes oh, off man. of that last video. When, okay, so so we said that I started here as a videographer. Yeah. And uh, well, not too long into that uh, journey of learning how to be a videographer, because I was fresh out of college, mm-hmm. got a degree at Georgia State in film and video production, and I really only knew what I had learned in a couple of classes where I actually got to hold a camera. Right. I would say my strengths are not there. Mm-hmm. That is not where they lie. They lie in this storytelling, I don't know what you'd call it, uh, I guess as an editor. Mm-hmm. And very quickly after that, we began hiring people and expanding, and we decided we wanted to make these things called podcasts. Yeah. And we weren't really sure what they were. We had some ideas for what they would be. Mm-hmm. And I found that if I was behind a computer and taking things that Tyler actually Tyler Klang, who became our videographer at the time, shot. If I took those things, I felt like I had a lot more, I don't know, there was more finesse for me mm-hmm. back there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure where I'm going with this, Jonathan, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's but fine. All I'm, all I'm saying is that the uh, shooting, shooting video and doing it really well, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the new cameras that are around, these, uh, these SLR cam- cameras that have just some complex 
lenses that yeah we're, you, we're able to shoot at resolutions that a few years ago would have been unheard of yes and and, and knowing how to make the best image from that device right is just something that you have to really focus a lot of your time on. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended with focus. Yeah. But, but it, that is not my That's strength. not your forte. I, I don't think it is. I mean, hence, hence, wow, am I really going to say that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's why I continue to shoot on this Sony EX1, which mm-hmm. is an older camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, well, it does one thing that's really awesome for our show in particular. It can, it has built in XLR, mm-hmm. which is just the, the way you connect up this, like this mic that I'm talking to you on and Jonathan's talking right. to you on. Um, you can connect that directly to the camera. So when you're recording audio with Ben for our show, I don't have to have a separate piece of equipment hooked up, you know, with a mic that's hooked up to Ben and then also man the camera. So you don't, you also don't have to then worry about marrying the audio track with the video track, which is a whole separate thing. Yeah. And if you have something like pluralize, uh, that's a really great uh, program that you can match up audio and video. You it's can way easier than it used to be. Yes. Like it used to be, you, you know, the slates that you've ever seen in any behind the scenes video of any television or movie production. They have a, a slate. That's the clapboard mm-hmm. where they have the, the name of the scene, the number of the take, all that kind of stuff. They clap it. The reason they clap it is that snapping sound is the, the cue to match the video or the the image, mm-hmm. if you're shooting on film, I don't, sure. know, I don't know who is these days, but <laughs> assuming you are, with the audio track so that the two match up. And if you get that off even a little bit, yes. that's where you get that, that kung fu movie effect of it looks like it's everything's been dubbed. Yes, and there can be problems with syncing where it will go out of phase or out of sync. Yeah. There is a list of problems that can come with that. So I... Don't you being, avoid it. Being the old dinosaur, <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I still use that old camera, but it's great. It still shoots 1080p and it looks mm-hmm. fantastic. And it, I would say it kind of lends itself to our show even. So let me ask you this from, from the moment when, uh, you are, uh, actually recording the audio mm-hmm. and you, or even from the moment when you start gathering the assets to the moment that it gets published, how much time has passed? Well, it varies quite widely depending on the subject matter and what footage is available. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it will take two full days, so 16 to 20 hours. Wow. Okay. Um, sometimes it will take a week, mm-hmm. like a full week of sitting there and trying to make it work. And how frequently do you publish? We currently only publish twice a week. <laughs> but if it takes a week to do one episode and you publish twice a week... That's why I am currently just now editing the audio uh, and starting to sync up some video for the one that comes out this Friday. Well, it won't be this Friday when this publishes. Right, right. But but, but in other words, we are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Yes. Almost into Thursday evening at this point. And you have a show that publishes tomorrow that you are currently working on. Yes. Wow. That's amazing. And that's where we've been, Jonathan, since, yeah. uh, since the first batch of five. So how long have you been doing this show? Oh, gosh. I think 2000, late 2008 is when I began production on it. Wow. Okay. So that's the same year that tech stuff started. Mm-hmm. So you, you guys were not far behind us. And um, uh, I think I was the one who actually came up with the title of your show. You did. We were in the kitchen yeah. uh, of our previous office. Yeah. And you and I were talking and you said stuff they don't want you to know. And I think you said it jokingly. 
Yeah. Yeah, it just shows that even my jokes are amazing ideas and people need to pay me more. Uh, <laughs> well, th- this has been fascinating. So, so tell me, like, what are some of the, you know, you've learned a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and clearly not all of the lessons that you've learned for today are applicable to when you first started out because of different software suites, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But what are some tips that you would have given, uh, uh, Matt from 2008? Things that, like, here's some general things I have found that are really effective in my job that, uh, would have saved you some, some heartache back in the earlier days. Well, the first thing that Jerry and I have had many a meeting about, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry is the head of production here. Yeah. The, she's also the mysterious producer of stuff you should know. She really does exist. Yes. She's yeah. a real human. Yeah. She, she is. She's awesome. <laughs> Yes, she is. Uh, well, one of the big things is you have to learn when enough is enough and mm-hmm. it's good enough to publish. Right. Uh, I sometimes have a problem of overcomplicating things, sure. and especially when I was early making the show. So I would I would be here here uh, being just the office, wherever the office of how stuff works is. I would be here way too long right. working on things. Like, like well after hours. Yeah. Way beyond any time someone should be working. And that was a problem because uh, I just couldn't live with not feeling like it was perfect. Right. I can understand that. Like the idea that, I mean, it, it's hard to let go mm-hmm. when you when you are when you're crafting something and it matters to you and you know other people are going to see it, then, you know, it's it's very hard to let go. Sometimes I've gotten a lot more blasé about it because I've done it for so long now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have high standards that I want to meet, but I also can walk away a lot, yes. a lot more readily than I could back in the day when we first started doing this kind of stuff. And I mean, it's no joke, guys. Uh, the video crew in general here at How Stuff Works, some of the hardest working people in our office. Oh, come on now. No, seriously, you guys have got, I mean, considering the amount of video that we are producing here at the office. Um, and we always are trying to do more. You guys are working really hard to make sure that that stuff stays, uh, you know, that's publishing on time. Uh, Noel's the same way. He, yeah. he, he produces Noel, a lot of audio podcasts. Noel is right now, and I guarantee you this is true. Yeah. He is working on something else, uh, like the next audio podcast or the one that you just recorded right. with Ben. He is editing that right now while he's monitoring us. Yeah. He's, he's nodding at us right now, uh, implacably. He's, he's oh, and he's making also making beats. beats. Okay. Well, that's fair. So Noel's a, a master multitasker. Oh, yes. Uh, I am not. I'm a unitasker if there ever was one. But, I mean, I, we could tell other – let's tell a couple of interesting stories about the video department. Just, oh, just, absolutely. Just so folks can know some stuff. Like, uh, we joke about you guys occasionally. Like, we'll make a little reference or whatever. And I'm sure people who have listened to the show for a long time have picked up little things here and there about the video crew. Uh, so some of the interesting things that you may or may not know, uh, for a while in our office that was in Buckhead, which is, uh, a, a, a neighborhood in Atlanta, an affluent neighbor mm. in the neighborhood in Atlanta. I personally was not a big fan of that office space, even when we were on the 15th floor. Really? 15, yeah, you know, it's just, you know, I mean, it, the, the break areas had a lot of character, mm-hmm. but no one ever went to them. <laughs> Yes. Like if you ever went into the big, we had this enormous break room. It had, had previously been an executive office. Yeah, our CEO's office. Yeah, we and and then uh, we converted that into a giant break room 
which was cool to look at and cool to shoot video in. Mm-hmm. But almost no one went into it except for some of the sales or developer people. They would yep. go in there and play foosball, but the rest of us never bothered yeah. to touch it. Um, so, uh, I was never a huge fan of our space there, but there was a while our, <laughs> our old podcast studio was a little alcove in mm-hmm. an oddly shaped room. And that oddly shaped room served as both the audio podcast studio and our video studio. Yep. So we could not shoot video in the studio and do a podcast at the same time because it was all the same space. Uh, the podcast part was curtained off because it was, a, it was almost, it was just this little alcove. Yeah, it was really bad. Uh, the reason why I bring this up and how I, I, I'm bringing it back to video is that for a while, there was so much work going into video and there were so, like you guys, your resources were, were stretched so thin mm-hmm. that it meant that some of you guys were working crazy hours, like yeah. so far into the night that once in a blue moon, someone would stay over. Yeah. And that was why when I walked into the the audio podcast room, I was like, why the hell is there this huge pile of green fabric laying on the ground? It was one of our extra green screens that Tyler had folded up into a, a sleeping cot. Yeah, he made a bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got, Yeah. Now, to be fair, Matt, I mean, I also slept in the office more than once really? because I had to shoot... Uh, television spots at five in the morning occasionally. And, uh, or I'd, I'd be done by like five 30. I would get to the office and I would go into, there was a room called the cool room, which mm-hmm. was not cool. No, it was very warm, but it had a couch. Yeah. I would sleep on that. I slept on that couch more than once. Wow. So, I mean, it's happened to all of us. We've all worked like crazy hours to get the stuff we love done. And, you know, you don't hear people complain about it. They no. really want to get the stuff done. No. So, uh, tell me, give me a, an example of, of like one of your favorite memories so far of working in the video department of how stuff works. Okay. I'll tell you one very, very early one. I got to travel with Jerry and Tyler and Roxanne mm-hmm. with Marshall Brain to New York. I think in 2007. I believe it was in 2007. It was around the time that How Stuff Works went public. Okay. And we got to go in behind the NASDAQ sign. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the giant NASDAQ sign yeah. yep. in New York. And we got to go behind it. And basically, we were told how it worked. We got to take video of all the moving pieces mm-hmm. and all the LEDs. It was incredible. And wow. You know, I was just trying to imagine when something like when an opportunity like that would come along in my life if I didn't work here. Yeah, I, I've had similar. I they've been they've been kind of little punctuation marks mm-hmm. in my long career at How Stuff Works because you know Matt and I we're we've been here a long time. Yes, like there there are a lot of people we think of as whippersnappers because they've been here like oh I <laughs> I joined in 2011 like whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, there have been moments that are kind of like punctuation points where we've done some incredible stuff. Not not to say like my day to day job I think of as incredible. Oh yeah. But there are certain things that go well beyond that where I'm like, wow, I can't believe I had the opportunity to do this amazing thing. Have you talked on the show about your WWE recent thing? I yet? did not. I have not talked about it. Yeah, I uh, I got the opportunity to go shoot some behind the scenes material at uh, WWE SmackDown taping here in Atlanta. And uh, WWE gave me incredible amounts of access. I got to talk to people of the crew. I got to talk to referees who are the leaders of the ring crew. Mm-hmm. 
We got to sh- shoot video of the light rig being put together, the stage being put together, the uh, Titantron lifted into place, the ring constructed. We got to go under the ring. We were the first video crew ever allowed to go under the WWE ring. That was my favorite part. Yeah, we're, I, I'm there with a uh, referee, Charles Robinson, who's the he was overseeing the ring crew, the ring construction. And he was telling me all about like how the ring, how the ring construction is different from the way it was back in the old days. Uh, I got to put the ropes on the ring. So, and they held up. So I didn't do anything yeah. wrong. That's very important. And they're very me. tight. They I are learned. extremely tight. Uh, yeah. They said that if, you, if it doesn't leave a welt, it's not tight enough. Ugh. Um, yeah. And then I got to talk to some of the superstars like Ryback and, uh, and Seth Rollins and, uh, I got to talk to Natalia, who uh, was amazing. Like mm. everyone was phenomenal. So that's the kind of opportunity that uh, that I never would have had if it wasn't for how stuff works. And to think that I got hired to be a writer, uh, you know, <laughs> and now I'm doing this kind of stuff. So uh, it's really cool that you were able to join me talk about your show. I'm glad we got to do this behind the scenes. I hope I get to do more of these with some of the other shows here at How Stuff Works. I think this is a great forum for it, and it's also nice to hear about, you know, what it is you do and, and the steps that are involved in just making a single episode of stuff they don't want you to know come to life. I I am very glad that we got to do this. Thank you, Jonathan. I didn't even go into the encoding process and uploading and publishing and all that, but that's, that's true. a whole separate podcast. Maybe I'll have you on again and we'll <laughs> talk about that because because we are doing so much more video here at HealthStuffWorks that it might be fun to sort of talk about uh, the second half of that process, the actual, okay, you've got the video to where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you get it to the point where it is going to go up so that people can watch it? So stay tuned because I'll probably do an episode about that in the future. And, and Matt, maybe I'll have you on or, I'd uh, love it. yeah, it'd be great to have this kind of conversation and, and really go into the details about it. This has been an incredible episode of Tech Stuff for me. I didn't have my computer open. You didn't. I, I just closed it because I was like, we're just going to have a conversation and see how it happens. So if you enjoyed this episode, guys, let me know. If you want to hear more stuff like this, like learn more about the behind the scenes technical aspects of how stuff works, I can talk to lots of people. I can talk to the people who publish the stuff on the websites. We can talk to editors about how the articles are shaped so that they're ready to go up live on the sites. We can talk to other folks on the the video crew, everything from how we set up video shots to the equipment that we use mm-hmm. to the the ways we work around limitations, because sometimes limitations are the best things. Yeah, they make you be resourceful and creative. Yeah, which is why I argue the original trilogy of Star Wars is superior to the prequels. <laughs> because <laughs> it didn't have the money. Lucas had limitations and he had to figure out ways around them. And then by the time the prequels came around, he had no limitations. And now we see what happens. Oh, man. Uh, when does this publish? Do you know, <laughs> this will probably publish toward the end of April. End of April. Ah, well, by the time that you've heard this, I will be just returning from the convention, Star Wars convention in Anaheim. Oh, you're going to go to that? Yes. Tyler and I and Holly are going out. Well, to be fair, Holly did used to work for That's why. the Force.net, right? Uh, yeah. Something and, like that. And StarWars.com, I think. Or maybe it was StarWars.com. Yeah. It might have been the one I was actually thinking of. So I, I am jealous, but I can't. She's got the credentials and I don't. I'm just a fan. She's actually worked for, for stuff that's related to it. So I will um, I, I will definitely hit you up to ask what the heck happened at that. Uh, you should have Holly on soon. Yeah, maybe I'll have Holly on to talk about 
um, the, the Star Wars fandom and the technical side of that. I, as long as I make it semi-technical, <laughs> it fits, right? Yeah. This, this isn't pops, pop stuff, so I can't talk about true. pop stuff necessarily. But, but yeah, um, she's going to experience it all. Tyler and I will just be standing in front of her or behind her somewhere with a camera. It's kind of like your experience of Dragon Con. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I wish I could really like enjoy this, yeah. but instead I got to point this camera at this bald guy who's talking about things. <laughs> Whatever. That was um, awesome. Too. Yeah. We'll probably do it again this year, too. All right. Well, Matt, thank you again. Remember, Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, amazing show. If you've not checked it out, go look up some episodes. There are tons of different topics. Uh, there are some that will really open up your eyes as to the crazy clandestine stuff that has happened over the past. Uh, also, as well as just a, an, a, an examination of how, you know, how intrusive certain ideas can become, mm-hmm. even when there's not a shred of evidence to support them. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Check it out. And if you have any suggestions for me, write to me. You know, if you want to hear more episodes like this, send me an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr at all three. I am techstuffhsw. And we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. <laughs>